Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hey everybody, my name is Linda, I'm compulsive reader and bulimic. And to qualify, I've been in program this time, a little bit over seven years. I'm maintaining a weight loss of something like 70 pounds, um, probably 90 pounds from when I was my heaviest before I came into um, previous to when I came in. And I haven't binged or purged for that period of time over seven years. And it is an astounding thing. And it's allowed me to have a life, which I am very grateful for, believe me. Uh, what it was like in the time that I've been in, I've come to see myself as a low bottom in that I was a huge volume eater. I was the type of binger who would go to the store and buy two pints of this, few bags of that, a dozen of this, few other things. And I was always obsessing trying to figure out the perfect combination because that was going to do it, right? And then I would eat and throw up and eat and throw up. And to give you a sense, right, of how much I was eating, I was almost 200 pounds when I came in at 5'4", and I was throwing up all the time, and I still had that weight on me. And, yeah, I grew up, basically, at the end of the day, I grew up in a home where they just didn't pay attention to me, <laughs> period. So I, I turned to food, and I have addiction in my family. So there you go. And I was always supposed to be okay. They just left me alone and I was always supposed to be okay. And I was always confused about what is wrong with me. I'm supposed to be okay in kind of every area of life. I'm not. And I have this eating thing and I'm ashamed. And at the end of the day, I had nowhere else to go really to address these problems than eat again. I just did not know what to do. I was riddled with anxiety, depression, rage. It, um, self-pity, paralysis, not physical paralysis, but, you know, in terms of doing things in life. And my eating got worse and worse until for several years before program, it was the way that I just described. And what do they say in the big book? Incomprehensible demoralization. Uh, that is the way I felt. I... Those who know me know that career is a big deal for me and that I have not done well, to put it mildly, despite being quite educated and quite intelligent and with a lot of uh, skills and strengths. I could not put a career together. I had a lot of confusion about how to act in the workplace. I remember I had a temp job and I came in and sat down at the desk and started putting my makeup on because I was late. And they did not like that. I found out from the temp agency and part of me was surprised. And, you know, I was 33 at the time. I had been to graduate school. I just have not known how to behave. I still sometimes don't know how to behave, but I have a fighting chance now. And I've learned a lot. So I developed type 2 diabetes. That didn't stop me. 
And one day it occurred to me that the message I gave myself standing in my kitchen, many of you have heard me say this probably a few times, I was standing in my kitchen, I was 49 years old, and I thought, tomorrow I will start eating healthily again. And I, I had been in 12-step programs previously in my 20s for a period of time. So I, for the first time in 25 years, caught myself in that thinking that they described in the big book, the thinking of bullshit might be one way to put it. I said to myself, Linda, you are full of shit that you think you're going to eat healthily again tomorrow. Because uh, I, didn't, I didn't diet. I didn't have periods of weight loss. I didn't have periods of eating healthily. I just didn't really at all. And I was able to catch myself in that thought. And I, you know, I had had it. It really did kind of feel like a bolt of lightning moment. And I went to my meeting the next day, got a sponsor, and I've been abstinent extremely imperfectly, but abstinent nonetheless ever since. So I did not grow up believing in God, and I learned recently that, oh, Eleanor, have I had five minutes yet? But will you do me a favor when I do have my times? Will you tell me verbally? Because sure, otherwise, I'll tell you verbally. You have seven more seconds for the first time. <laughs> okay, thank you. Perfect. I appreciate it. Um, I have no idea what I was saying. So, oh yeah. So, like I said, I was in OA in my twenties, and that's a whole other story. Let's just say I left, and I was in relapse for twenty-five years. And I grew up in a home where there was no God. We're Jewish very strong sense of Jewish cultural identity, zero religious sense to such a degree that I never really thought about God. I'm not sure I ever asked myself the question, what or who is God? Do I believe in God? What does God mean? I just didn't, just was of not, not of interest to me. So I feel very fortunate that when I came into the program, the God part, which is like all of it <laughs> in a way, it just, it didn't bother me. I was really able to take what I like and leave the rest. And they said that all you need, you know, in the 12 and 12, right? In the AA 12 and 12 doesn't Bill say, you know, you just have to have the door open a little bit or whatever, be willing to suspend disbelief. So that was good enough for me. I just decided not to worry about it. So this led me to be able to be open to the steps and the concepts and whatnot associated with them. And, oh, because I got abstinent. It just, it, and it really feels like a miracle. I got abstinent. And if I had to guess why, because I do always want to know why, I would say I was over it. I had had it. Like I said, I was 49 years old. I was over it. Sick with diabetes. Miserable. Had it. Thank God. So when I came in, I thought, okay, they say that this way of life supports abstinence and I can't stand recovery without it. I'll buy that. You know, there's this whole higher power thing. That's fine. My sponsor said to me, and I'll never forget it. She said to me, you don't even have to worry about a higher power. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. You do not need to figure it out. In fact, I'm not sure you will ever have to figure it out. And I thought, cool. <laughs> I just thought that was great. So I did work the steps with her. And like I said, I, I believed in these principles. 
And I've never been, I am very disorganized. I have ADHD. I am just learning how to live life, right? Because I just shoved food in my face until I was 49 years old with just a brief reprieve. And I'm just learning how to conduct myself. And that includes things like organizing time, being diligent. It's been very difficult for me to actually sit and do work. And that was certainly the case for my step work, but I did it. And when I was done with that initial first time through the steps, I really haven't done much since then. You know, we're talking years, right? In terms of writing, I've done some. And, you know, until very recently, I went to my three meetings a week, very involved. I've sponsored, been sponsored, but I didn't have that real, you know, dedicated writing practice or whatever. I'm actually not really even sure why I brought that up. Actually, I think I am because towards the end, I'll refer back to that in terms of where I'm at with program now. But I guess what happened as I, as I went on that, even though I wasn't doing a whole bunch of diligent daily practice stuff, of course, I'm more and more exposed to the steps into this program. And I thought, wow, you know, one thing that I, I finally realized after a few years, I was like, oh, this is not anything profound. This is not rocket science. This is like, dare I say, how people who grow up in healthier families learn how to behave and treat themselves and others. And it's a total no brainer. That was a huge epiphany. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, be kind to myself and others, take responsibility, don't waste my time trying to control things that I cannot control, develop a, you know, a spiritual life that is nurturing to myself and others and allows me to give service. That is fine with me. I often say that I grew up with the principles of resentment, hatred of others, hatred of self, self-pity is being a whiny baby a principal you know if so that was one of my principles growing up too and i don't mean this to beat myself up i truly did the best i could and i truly came from a truly horrible family and i was very lost um but that's the way i tried to live oh plus shoving food in my face and throwing up of course so to be presented with these beautiful things which i believe is how people who that's five more thank you, who do good in the world, probably, you know, abide by these principles. So, and I am told, like I said before, and like we've all said a million times, in order to stay in recovery, we need to do this stuff. Awesome. So I am so grateful to be here because now I have a chance at life. And in the last seven years, I have slowly but surely been cobbling a life together for myself that is more than just a shell. And I have had tremendous support from my husband actually just watching the room. Hi, honey. Hi. He says hi. And um, all of you guys, I know people in program I've known for years. Some of them are in this room. I'm not necessarily close friends with them. A lot of people, I'm not even sure I necessarily talked with them on the phone, but I know these people and I count on them. I know they're there. And all of this just creates structure from which I can heal. Uh, therapy is a huge part of my story because a little bit over four years ago, I started therapy that 
has been one of the most transformative experiences of my life. This man has the patience of Job, <laughs> for one thing. We've been through quite a lot, and he has unerringly and steadfastly been there for me in a way that has really made a difference for me. And it's allowed me to stick around and be safe, to go out into the world and to right to go out in the world and be honest and to feel strong enough to be able to admit that I'm wrong and to get out of my own damn self to be aware that I have a heart that wants to do service when I'm not watching a really good series on Netflix or Amazon that really just did come to my mind isn't that interesting um and it's it's been an amazing thing. I found my heart in therapy in a very spiritual sense. And that comes around to what my sponsor said about higher power to begin with, which is don't worry, you don't have to figure it out. I didn't figure it out and it just came to me. It took a while, but it came to me. And I have a very strong spiritual sense, which leads me more and more into recovery. Um, Eleanor, how much time do I have? And um, two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so being contained is very, is very important to me because I have been all over the place. No boundaries in terms of food, no boundaries in terms of what I said, what I did, nothing. And I still am all over the place. I got up from this time I signed into into this meeting, I got up 10 times. <laughs> One time I got up I'm right, to trim my hair because I just trimmed my hair. And once I got in this meeting, I saw that my hair was uneven. So I got up and went and like tried to trim the other side really fast. And I'm telling you this because <laughs> I am a handful. I find it quite a job to live a day trying to figure out what the heck to do and how to rein myself in. So the containment of the program and the realization that I am powerless and I don't know how to manage my own life. All I do is admit that and I can feel a little bit of relief. And then like it says somewhere in the literature, probably several ways, it's like I am kind of given new sight or new intuition or new something or other that allows me to see how I can move on in life. I've tried to figure out all kinds of stuff for a really long time and it really has not worked well at all. I've gotten caught in my crazy brain. My brain is really not crazy and very wonderful when I use it as it was meant to be used. I've been thinking tons about powerlessness lately and I probably just have a minute if that. And I just wanna say that well, I start working the steps again. Yay! I have a new sponsor and I'm in a step study that we have a few of us. It's wonderful. And we just finished working the first step and I'm thinking a ton about powerlessness as powerlessness as accepting reality. This again, is something else that is not rocket science, but to me, it felt like the most profound epiphany. I was like, wow, powerlessness means I'm accepting reality. And that's five. I mean, that's Thank 15. you. Thank you. 
and that freed me up. I'll finish up quickly. <laughs> that freed me up in such a huge way because honesty, it's written all over the first step. It's the principle of the first step, right? What is reality? Once I know what it is, then I can take steps to respond in a manner that is appropriate and kind to myself and to others imperfectly my food and everything else i was able to um, see that my food was in big trouble a couple months ago i was able to see that reality and i just took it from there meaning getting more involved in program again so thank you very much thanks for letting me share